Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On today's show, we will discuss antennas on water tanks, how they should properly be installed, and the importance of starting the process early with Rich Chemists of McGuire Iron. Rich is a NACE Level 3 Certified Coatings Inspector with over 40 years of experience in the water industry. Rich specializes in all aspects of water storage tanks. Rich, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thank you. So let's talk about water tank antennas and everything that goes along with them. What what are the reasons that somebody would put antennas on a water elevated water storage tank? Several different reasons. Uh, one of them being the convenience for your cell carriers because it's a tall structure, uh, usually the tallest structure in a community. Uh, it's already up there, so it's just a matter of doing modifications and bringing antennas over there onto that tank. The structure's already there. And then, of course, the potential for income to the community uh, by having the antennas up there. What are the different types of antennas that go on there? You said that you know this is a great way uh, because it's an existing structure, but what are some of the things that people would put antennas on there to do? We see a lot of different things. Uh, we see some of the telemetry for uh, the water department, which typically is gonna run signals for their controls and stuff, but we've seen 9-11 emergency antennas on there police antennas, school bus systems. Um, those are typically smaller antennas. Uh, when you get into internet, um, ham radios would be a local thing. Uh, we used to see a lot of TV antennas. We're seeing less of that all the time uh, because most of the uh, uh, cable systems have their own structures now, but we used to see that early on. Uh, cell phones, uh, cell antennas are probably the biggest thing, and that's where you get uh, uh, your income potential coming in. Typically, if you're dealing with telemetry of your own 9-11 emergency systems, even ham radios, you're not going to make any income on that. Uh, it's kind of a convenience to the community. So, But there's a, a good variety there. So what makes a water tower a good site for these type of antennas? Um, as I said, of course, it's height. It's typically the tallest structure. A cost advantage to the cell carriers because they don't have to build a separate cell tower, which is very expensive. This is one that's already existing. Exposure to populated areas and um, a little easier to figure out, okay, how are we going to build this out? Uh, scheduling, our rapid deployment, so to speak. So these are some of the things about it. So you've explained a little bit about why um, a water storage tank would be ideal to put antennas on for a community. What are Break down a little bit the pros and the cons, because with everything like you talked about, yeah, it's great that these are on here and we can make money, but what are the things that we're going to run into that could be both pros and cons? Probably the, the biggest pro, of course, is the fact that you're going to, community is going to be able to write a lease agreement with the carriers or whoever's putting the antennas up there and receive money. And when we talk about carriers, who are we talking about? When we talk about carriers, we're talking about people like Verizon, T-Mobile, uh, Sprint, 
any of the cell carriers, you know, that's who we're talking about. And that's typically where the contracts will be made. Um, and that'll be a, a monthly income or an annual income coming to the community. So that's where, you know, the tower's already there, the structure's there. Hey, we can make some money here. A lot of times then you'll actually have some advantages of uh, improved uh, reception, things of the sort, you know, within the community. So there are a couple of advantages. The biggest uh, cons is the potential for damage to the chain uh, from a structural standpoint, from the coatings, uh, for access. Um, you know, we're looking at potential for inappropriate attachments and stuff. So, and the potential for additional corrosion sites on the exterior of the tank. So when a community determines, okay, we want to do something and we want to put antennas on here, where does it go from there? How, do, how does the process work? And because, like you said, somebody approaches them and says, we want to put something on this tank. Once they say, okay, that sounds like a good idea, where do we go from there? When they approach, they're going to come across with their information from their engineer designing standpoint. And uh, they're going to say, hey, this is going to work, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we want to modify the tank. They typically are going to submit their analysis and drawings uh, for those modifications. You have to have that. That's an absolute must. Um, the thing that we're starting to see now is that uh, you should have an independent uh, engineering review of what is being submitted uh, by the companies to make sure that all the numbers are coming across the way they're supposed to come across. I think one of the biggest things, and, and we're starting to see it more and more all the time, is a cell carrier is going to have their analysis and drawings are going to say, yep, everything's fine. And we're starting to see tanks that are extremely overloaded or slightly overloaded and people still want to put more antennas on there. So uh, it, in order to protect your community and limit your liabilities, you have to have these things reviewed by an independent engineer. And what we're really talking about there is in the industry, it's called tank mapping. And so talk to us a little bit about what is tank mapping? How does it work? What, uh, what does that look like? And what does an owner of this water tank need to know about that process tank mapping is kind of uh where we step in and we have to map what is existing on the tank engineering firms independent engineering firms or i should say the carriers engineering firms they'll have it all analyzed and say these antennas are up here and we're going to do calculations you have to take into account the weight of the equipment so it's added weight on the tank uh the wind loading the snow loading uh, we've got to look at the capacity of the anchorage of the tank and any uh, potential for added penetrations when we're dealing with a, a single pedestal tank. All of this stuff needs to be analyzed and interpreted by an engineer. And as I said, you know, cell carriers will tend to say, yep, everything looks good. Uh, it meets its uh, parameters and then uh, off we go. Whereas we're starting to find out that a lot of times their calculations and what an independent engineer's calculations are, are two different things. So uh, uh, there's a lot that goes into it and we have to calculate all of those loads on the tank. So antenna mapping is actually making that drawing or, or coming up with all of everything that's on there 
and how it affects the structural integrity of that tank. Because the cell carrier is only worried about their antenna. They're not worried about the 10 other antennas that are up there. Correct. And so what does that look like from, you talked about it a little bit, the tank mapping takes everything into account. And you have to. Um, <clears throat> like I said uh, earlier, cell people are going to make it look as good and as rosy as it can for them to put their equipment up there. And a lot of times they don't take into account uh, other people's antennas that may be up there or other things that may be on the structure that are required on the structure, whether it be um, a larger vent has been put on the tank or different ladders or different shielding. Uh, there's just a lot of things to take into account. And a lot of the times if they don't have original drawings, they'll make assumptions on foundations and thicknesses of plate steel and, and things of the sort. So that's where the importance of, if you have the original drawings, they need to be evaluated in that whole process. What happens if you don't have the drawings? If you don't have to have the drawings and you want, want to really know what's going on, then you have to go a little deeper. Uh, it's what I call a structural analysis and it involves more time and it costs more money. But we have to basically crawl the entire tank and measure everything and take a ton of pictures and configurations and layouts and thicknesses of steel and everything else so that we can get that to the engineer. So instead of having drawings, he knows that, okay, this is a, a W8 by 18 beam, um, uh, which just by looking at it in the ground, uh, a layman doesn't know what that is or what that means. So they know exactly what they're dealing with so they can do a true analysis of it. And the thing is too, with when we talk about antenna mapping, a lot of times these water towers were never built to have these kind of things hanging off of them. A lot of them have been retrofitted throughout the years. And so, you know, newer tanks are built that way because they're, you know, engineers specified to do this. Talk about what are some of the things you've seen where antennas have been on tanks where it's like, hey, this is this is not the intended purpose of where this antenna is and it should be done differently the thing is when you're dealing with a, an existing tower even if you don't have original drawings but preferably you have original drawings most of them were designed with what they referred to as a corrosion allowance so they were a little overbuilt and that's what allows you to add stuff to the structure because they were overbuilt but you can only take that to a certain point or to a certain limit and I think in the industry, I think it's if it's more than if it changes the loading more than 10 percent, then you have to go into a deeper analysis of the structure. And if it still doesn't pass, then it's basically overloaded and you should not allow it to be on there. So these are some of the things that are going on. And I had a situation here uh, just this year with a customer in Wisconsin where a carrier wanted to put additional antennas and change some antennas out on this structure. And the city was smart enough to say, hey, we want this looked at and analyzed. So we did a structural analysis for, using the original drawings and um, found out that the tank was uh, would be overloaded, so don't do it. 
the carrier came back and recalculated and said, no, it will work. And so the owner fortunately said, okay, we want you to look at it with just what's on there now because we're thinking maybe it's already overloaded and review or reassess what the carriers are coming back to say to us. And as it turned out, after we reevaluated, yes, the structure is already overloaded and our engineer had to do about a four-page dissertation to the carriers as to why this will not work and they finally accepted it and decided they had to go a different route. So uh, that's just a prime example that uh, I had this year with a tank that was totally overloaded and they continue to want to put more on it. The problem therein lies if there is ever an issue of that tank where there's a structural problem or an accident or an incident on that tank, from the city standpoint, they're going to be liable or the insurance people are going to say, hey, this isn't what this structure was designed for and we are not going to cover damages. I think that's a great point to hit on again is once a piece of equipment is on that tank, that liability shifts from the carrier to the owner of that structure and that's talking about how it's installed, what it does, all of those things. And I think that can get lost in the, oh, we're going to get revenue for putting this on there, but not realizing what does that liability actually look like for our community? Yep. Very true. Very true. And I think it's paramount to keep that in mind when you're dealing with these situations. And so we've gone through the antenna mapping. Our tank is good. We can put a new antenna on there from a carrier. What are some of the other things a tank owner should know about that installation? Not just can the tank actually handle the load and the wind and all of that stuff that that antenna needs to do, but talk about all of the other things that go into installing an antenna and doing it properly. First off, installing the antenna equipment, in other words, the antenna, the what they call the RRUs, uh, the coax, uh, these things are done specifically by either the carrier or the carrier's contractor. They're designed to handle all that equipment and install it. Where we come in or where you want to be concerned is uh, the structural changes and modifications that have to be done to the tank. And then also Um, uh, when those carriers are installing and we see all kinds of egregious things that are wrong about the way they do these installations. So talk about some of those things, because I think this is important for tank owners to know that when they hire somebody to do this, they're not water tower people, they're antenna people. And so what are some of the things that you've seen that can get owners in trouble with how antennas get installed? Correct. Um, When we come to the modifications or even when we come to the typically installing coax, uh, people will put coax, band them tightly onto legs. Now you can't do maintenance on the legs or paint the tank properly. Uh, Biggest one from a safety standpoint is they'll run coax up the side of ladders and everything. So you cannot obstruct the side rails of a ladder with any attachment. They have to be bare and open. That's a safety issue. So a lot of it will be uh, safety compliance. Uh, They may build a corral 
which is referred to as basically a railing on top of a tank. They call them corrals. That may not be a proper heights for the railing. They may not have tow stops for them. Uh, walkways will be uh, crossed over with coax. We've seen coax come right across pass-throughs. Um, so they're continually obstructing, uh, creating trip hazards. So that is the biggest thing that we're seeing. So uh, these things need to be done properly and they need to be secure installations. Um, one of the, uh, I've seen it so many times, uh, people, a lot of times when they hire their independent installers, they design everything to be bolted together because they don't want to do welding or they don't have welders. And then they'll do what's referred to as stud welding, which uh, uh, will secure the railing onto the tank. We actually investigated and looked at stud welding years ago, and stud welding uh, is not very strong at all. So for every vert or upright for that railing or that corral, you will probably have to have six to eight stud bolts, stud welded bolts at that pad. Uh, they aren't very strong, so we actually had an incident a few years ago of a very large railing uh, with full of antennas, had a big storm come through, ripped it off the tank, and it would have ended up totally on the ground except that it caught the vent of the tank, so it didn't go to the ground. And that's because of stud welding. And it's kind of a cheap way of having just a general contractor install it. We do not agree with that at all. Well, and this goes back to a great point about the liability. It's not just that antenna, but it's how it's installed, what, how it gets on there. So in that instance, the community or the tank owner is liable. If that thing falls off and lands on a car, a house, Correct. kills somebody, Correct. they're liable. Correct. And, Absolutely. And so that's the other thing about this. It's not just can my tank hold this antenna, but how is it being installed in a way that is compliant with OSHA, is done properly, how, how can we help owners with that piece of the puzzle? Because when a carrier goes, hey, okay, we're going to put this on there, and they turn it on like, yep, it's working. All right, we're out of here. Yeah. It may not be done properly. Yeah, and I think there, you know, you're in a situation where you'd almost have to, one of two things. You could demand and say these have, have to be installed properly, safely, with full compliance for safety structural issues and everything else. And if we find it otherwise, you're going to have to come back and change it. Or you could contract with ourselves or a similar company and have somebody actually go inspect the work uh, as they're doing it, as they're performing it to make sure that it's installed properly. And when we're talking about safety issues, we're talking about OSHA because these Correct. are all OSHA violations if, if they're done improperly. Correct. Absolutely. And OSHA violations are very expensive. So uh, you don't want to be caught up in any of that. And OSHA doesn't care if you say, well, hey, um, it's our tank and our structure and the antennas are up there. Well, T-Mobile did that. So go talk to them. They don't care that T-Mobile did it. It's on your structure. So you want to make sure that it's in compliance with safety uh, uh, standards. So one of the other things we talk about is maintenance. And so we've talked about some of the issues that can arise from a safety standpoint of how an antenna is installed. 
But the other thing a lot of people don't realize is how it's installed also goes a long way to how that tank is able to be maintained. What are some of the things that owners should know when it comes to maintenance of water towers when they're having antennas installed on their tank? Uh, one of the big things is you want to make sure that in your lease agreement, you write in there in the lease agreement that they, the carrier will be responsible for removing or de-energizing his equipment uh, when maintenance is, needs to be performed on the tank and or they are responsible for any uh, uh, damages that could result from maintenance being performed on the tank. So talk a little bit about how stuff gets installed on a tank that would cause a maintenance issue for somebody that would go, oh, well, yeah, this is why that happened, and it's because of the antennas and the cabling and the coax and all of that. Correct, yeah. Well, one of the biggest things is if they're using leg bands to put up coax, uh, you cannot perform maintenance, you cannot paint under those bands. So you end up with just a corrosion area and an area that can't get painted. Um, there are issues where you can't. I've seen pictures um, uh, of coax coming so close, so far over ladder, you cannot get past it. Uh, we've had situations of coax coming through the access tube on a single pedestal tank where you actually can't get by it to even get out onto the top of the tank. So there's just uh, many situations where we've seen, we've seen boxes, um, uh, telemetry boxes mounted right on top of ladders. So you may have a three or four foot jump. Uh, antennas on balcony railings that maybe too powerful and the potential to um, for RF damage to our people that have to work up there. Um, damage to coax cables because they run over a walkway or they run up a ladder or they get damaged or overblasted. There's so many different issues. And ultimately, if we have to be, the contractor has to be responsible for that, ultimately, it's going to cost the community more money. And I think that's a great point because that's why it's so important for you as a community to look at that contract, understand it, and know the things you need to put into it. So, you know, if you have a leg band that wears the coating off and it starts rusting, if you go back to the or to the carrier, they're going to say, well, that's not our problem. It's not in the contract. And then you're stuck paying to get that fixed. So those are the things like you're talking about that you really need to make sure you understand the contract and the full scope of the project. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to make sure that any maintenance issues or damage issues to that equipment um, are, are the responsibility are borne by the carrier people who have the antenna structure, have the antenna equipment up there. And this is something that even if we weren't painting on them, if you had to, uh, say, update a ladder or uh, add something onto your tank or make an alteration and you do damage to that antenna, if you don't have that written into your contract, whether it's uh, the damage to the antenna or the coax, that carrier could come back and say, hey, you damaged that coax. We have to replace it. We're going to bill you for it. So you have to make sure you cover your um, uh, liability or your responsibilities or costs for these installations. If somebody has 
is thinking about this or has antennas on their tank currently, how can we be of help to them to say, hey, we can look at this, we can we can do some things that help you out or can give you some recommendations on how you should do this or what you should do if you currently have tanks or look or antennas or looking at them? Um, we can do the, we can come in and we've done it many times. We'll come in and do the mapping services, you know, where we'll totally map a tank with existing antennas and stuff on it, have our engineer review it, uh, do an analysis. Uh, we can do structural, a full structural evaluation of that tank. Uh, if there aren't original drawings, so we can do that portion of it. And as I uh, related earlier in that situation with the customer in Wisconsin, they absolutely wanted us to review what the um, antenna people were proposing. Uh, they contracted with us to review those um, uh, examples and uh, analysis and drawings and everything. So we provide all of those services and can just give you insight uh, or point out when we're up on the tank that, hey, uh, there's coax strapped to that ladder and that's illegal and it needs to be changed. So uh, we, we can help you with any of that stuff. And in no way are we saying that antennas on a water tank can't be a great source of revenue for your community and have their place. What we're talking about is just saying, hey, there's a right way to do it. And so if you're going to go down this road or have gone down this road, you just need to make sure you're doing it right. Correct. Correct. And and a lot of it has to do with um, the mod- modifications on the tank is where we really like to get involved. We can help you with the analysis and everything else. And, and if everything says, hey, this will work, uh, the modifications will work. Uh, we've had uh, been submitted plans of let's do a whole bolt and a stud well installation of this corral. And we said, no, uh, we will go weld it on and we'll touch up the paint and we'll make sure it's a secure installation. And our engineer believes that there needs to be added kickers, which are supports. Um, So we can do all of that, do all of that alteration. And that's the big steel modifications on the tank so that now antennas can be properly mounted. Uh, You can do installations of what they call coax ladders, which will keep the coax off of the tank. Uh, running it uh, organized, neat, um, proper routing, keep it off ladders. Uh, we can add standoffs that can be clamped for uh, antenna, running antenna coax. We can do, we can install what they refer to as messenger pipes. So we have the ability to do all of that for the customer, uh, believing that we do a solid welded installation as opposed to bolted connections. All right, Rich Chemist. I think that's I think that's a great place to stop because you know we've given listeners a lot of information about antennas on their tanks, tank mapping, all of the things they need to know. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time today to help us understand more about uh, antennas on water tanks. Great, thank you. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask us questions by sending us an email at info at or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.